0: Hi, friends. Welcome. This is the Connected Families podcast. I'm Stacey Bellward, your host. This is Dad's Month here on the podcast because it's the month we celebrate Father's Day. This is the second part in a three-part series with Jim Jackson, co-founder of Connected Families, and Chad Hange, who is on the Connected Families leadership team, and he's also a marriage and family therapist. Today, Jim and Chad are talking about video games
1: welcome everybody jim jackson here along with my good friend and colleague chad hay and gay hey chad hey jim we've been given an assignment today to talk about video games and parenting Right on. When I saw that, the first thing I thought was, I'm not very good at video games.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, is that a prerequisite to uh, enjoying them or spending
1: hours and hours being on them? Absolutely not. And, you know, my history with video games is probably telling of, of many parent-child experiences. We got our first video game in, I think it was 1977. And video games weren't really a thing yet. They weren't mainstream quite yet. But Atari yeah. and the game Pong, yes. I think is kind of the thing that brought video video games to the mainstream now pong for those who don't know is just this game where you have two controllers one for me and one for you or you can play against the machine and then it's just you and it's just a knob that moves a little flat bar up and down the tv screen on the far right side while a little ball bounces around the square and yeah, ironically a square ball right <laughs> a square ball it was a square <laughs> ball the pixels back then were like a quarter of an inch across on my tv and the goal was really to not let that ball go past let the ball yeah. pass the paddle yeah i Exactly. So we got that game. And I was so excited because my cousins who were a little more computer savvy, even back then than I was, they were doing stuff nobody ever heard of, you know, and they had sort of a little bit more complexity, but the mainstream game that first came out was Pong and we got it for Christmas and I could not keep my hands off of Pong. I couldn't quit thinking about Pong. I got revved up about (laughs) Pong. You know, I'm 16 years old, 16 or 17. And, and my parents are like, you have to go to bed. It's time to go to, bed, right? Come on. I don't want to have to have the struggle with you to get you off on the bus in the morning. Again, you have got to go to bed. And I'm like, you're, you're telling me this conversation was happening in the seventies. <laughs> Sounds familiar, <laughs> right? So this is about Pong and I go to bed and I did this several times until I just decided it wasn't worth it anymore. I couldn't get any better, but I'd go to bed, but I wouldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I was too revved up. I was so excited. And then I would get up and go downstairs and turn the volume off on the TV and play Pong. <laughs> So you were sneaking in your Pong. I was sneaking in at night to this big contraption hooked up to our TV in the family room and did what I had to do to play Pong. Then I went to college and they introduced Pac-Man and Uh Space Invaders and Missile Command. And those were the simple ones. And then Tetris, I think, came out. I think that's the name of it where you had to fit shapes together and stuff oh, yeah. really fat. I couldn't do that. I just couldn't. My left hand did what my right hand should do and I gave up <laughs> on video games. I finally decided I hate video games, but I was a video game addict mm-hmm. You know, for several years. Whenever there was a video game around, I couldn't keep my hands off. Yeah. Times have changed a lot, right? Yeah, just
2: consumed your thinking, it sounds like too. Like when you weren't doing it, you're trying to figure out when the next time you were or how you're going to get that in without maybe other people.
1: You know, Chad, I've always looked up to you. You're a little younger than I, but I've, I've looked up to you. I have a lot of respect for you. You never had struggles like this with video games. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
2: Screens were. So I played Pong. That was the first uh, video game that came into our house. And I'm not even sure. I mean, calling it a video game sounds a little, little, faster, <laughs> but. <laughs> It, it, it was what it was, and but Atari in the '80s was kind of where I jumped in with Pitfall, and you know you're talking about Missile Command and Space Invaders and asteroids and and all the deals. And a uh, Pac-Man came out, and I had explicit instructions from my father that I should finish the game of Pac-Man that I was playing. He was going to be gone for probably three hours <laughs> or so. When I was done with that game, the Atari went off, and I played that game without dying. I was actually building up uh, more (laughs) Pac-Man lives. I had found a pattern in the game where I wouldn't score very many points, like get the blue guy as the ghost, but I would not die. You found it out. Oh my goodness. I figured out a pattern. (laughs) And uh, my dad walked in the house. He's like, what did I tell you? I said, dad, I'm still on the same game. It was like this euphoria of, (laughs) I've accomplished this amazing thing, but now I'm going to get in trouble. But I have obeyed. I've done what you said. So that probably was the uh, origin of a yeah. of bigger issues. Maybe. Well,
1: it's so nuts, isn't it? How these little electrical impulses and pixels on a screen can ignite something in us that is so profound and so, so rewarding and create such an attachment to the accomplishment, to the victory, to the progress, to the learning, to, you know, and then of course the video games over time got more and more layered and more and more sophisticated to keep us going after the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And it feels so good to get there. And there's, you know, there's this almost quasi sense of significance, right. That builds up inside of us as we do this relative to video games. And then they got smart enough to add real People to the mix. When you were young, did you have tournaments with your friends and stuff? Yeah. So
2: college, Nintendo came out, and uh, that was Tech Bowl, and that was you know setting up the tournaments. I remember the challenge of taking the worst team on Tech Bowl to the Super Bowl undefeated, right? Or to the Tech Bowl undefeated. So now you start have games within the games of how good are you really, sort of thing. But yeah, we we would play in college, and yeah. So I think those those kinds of situations, scenarios I think we can relate to on on varying levels. But then even working at the youth outreach organization that we worked at. And then Xbox comes out and Halo. And now you've got kind of more real life, at least early on, not compared to what it is now. But you know, you used to know that you were just playing a game. Now it almost can feel like it's hard to separate out whether this is real life or whether this is really Mm -hmm. the game.
1: Yeah. And with all this layering and with all of this sophistication, and of course the video game companies maybe spend more than anybody on what keeps people compelled to do things and to learn things and to grow in the thing that they want them to grow in. We have parents now calling us frequently for help with kids who won't get off their screens. I had a dad tell me a little while back, but he was talking about, you know, what do I do my kids? Kid won't get off the screen. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, it's important. It's limits. And, you know, but what about the relationship and all the things he says right now, if I do anything to take that video game away from him, yes, I am yes. literally afraid he might burn our house down. Yes. He would be that angry. He would kick and scream and yell and become violent. How, well, how old is he? He's 15. Yep. You know, for me, the brain works of all of that is beyond my comprehension. But what I know is, is even based on how this dad was talking to me about his son and the judgments that he had and the condescension that he had and the anger that he had toward his son. And I mean, it's natural to be afraid and to worry when your kids are are unable to control things. But then if we bring to them in an effort to help them a toxic relationship, that's not going to help them. That's going to probably make matters worse. And so mm-hmm. our work here at Connected Families is, is less about what are all the methods to get kids off of video games and more about what kind of relationship do you have by which you can discuss these things, understand your example, and how your child may or may not be following it, and so on, right? right? Have you done any coaching recently with parents, Chad, about this issue?
2: This is not an uncommon issue. The video game side of things, probably being a little bit older child in terms of uh, community, like like the preteen, maybe, but teenagers in particular playing certain games are getting online to play the games to connect with a lot of other people. Some of them are actual physical Friends they know others are virtual friends uh, that they've connected with through this game. So I think the the parents of teens in particular, when they reach out, they're kind of in a place of worry and you know catastrophizing the future of this child. Will they ever get out of our you know, house or how are they ever going to have a job? And there's they're filled with lots of anxiety and fear about what this might mean for their child.
1: I mean, I'm thinking about this and I'm like, okay, I'm the dad that calls you. You know, we arrange a phone call through email because I reached out and I'm interested in how you might help me. And there's a half hour consult, and I I call you and I say, Chad, thanks for taking my call. Here's the deal: I got a kid that just won't get off the computer. Whether it's video games, I don't even know what it all is. Frankly, it's all over my head. But he's got so much stuff going on, and when it's time for dinner, when it's time to do chores, when it's time to do homework, you know, we get the same resistance every time. And the harder we try, the worse it gets. I hear you over there, Connected Families, help people like me. So tell me what I need to do to get him off that computer. You set it up really well. If it were just video games, but chores were getting done and
2: attitude was great and school homework wasn't an issue. I think most parents would be able to kind of roll with that or maybe have less concern, but they start to see those things slipping away. So that's what we would dive into then. And the Connected Families Framework is such a good introductory piece for parents to start thinking through it beyond. And you said- how do I get my child to stop doing that, right? To get them off that. I mean, that's the goal that most parents would have. Honestly, Chad, wearing my role play hat right now, I'm already getting impatient though. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. No, and and I'm not even talking to the dad. I'm just giving context here. Yeah, I mean, is that something you wanna play out a little bit or what? how do you wanna move
1: forward with that? In a call like that, I'm calling to sort of check out whether you can help me and I'm looking for quick evidence that you can because I'm impatient. I've got a lot of intensity about this issue. I've read a bunch of things online that, you know, tell me to set limits and put the timers on the thing and do the tracking software and, you know, all that stuff. And I've done all that stuff. And the more of that stuff I do, the madder my kid gets. So Chad, I'm looking to you to give me hope quick before the commercial. (laughs) Okay. There's plenty of hope. And I will tell you that the quick
2: fix is probably not something that I can give you, but I can give you something that will help you develop relationship with your son while holding him accountable. I think that's likely what most
1: parents are after. Would you Agree, Jim? Is that what you're after here? Is is? Well, our relationship is a mess. I mean, yeah. I, I'm so mad, and he's so mad that we can't even sit in the car together without fuming at each other. So it's just getting quiet these days because every time either of us talks, it just leads to you know something volatile again. Yeah.
2: And how willing are you as dad here on a scale of zero to ten, where zero is you're completely unwilling, and ten is uh, you are ready to do whatever you might need to do to make some changes? for yourself before moving into making changes for your son
1: got to do something different. So, cause what I'm doing sure isn't working very well. Yeah. It's a high number. I don't know, seven or an eight or I mean, yeah, I want to learn to say some different things and to do some different things so that my son starts liking me again.
2: That's important, right? To have a relationship, but also have accountability. And those, but two... I don't want
1: him to get away with using these computer games over and over again either. So, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So I think what I'm hearing you say is you'd like to have a relationship. You're not quite sure how to get there. You'd like to hold him accountable. You're not quite sure how to get there. And the framework that we'll talk about at Connected Families will be a good guide for that. Yeah, And we've been able to guide lots of parents through using that framework in situations and scenarios, much like you're describing.
1: Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take my role play hat off here and just say, after break, we'll come back and we'll talk about this process. Maybe we'll role play, we'll see how it goes. But what I hear you saying, Chad, is is that there's kind of a holistic view that has to be taken around all of this. That's not just about what method to get my child to do X, Y, or Z, but it's a bigger package than that. And you're going to help me figure out some new ways of thinking about this, some new things to say, maybe even some new attitudes to have, and help me with that. We're going to get to that after this short break.
0: Do you imagine your kids would be best friends with a house full of laughter, fun, and cute memory-making moments? Here you are struggling with constant fighting, badgering, and teasing. You know your kids are capable of a close relationship, But even with all your effort, you feel like you're getting nowhere. And sometimes you wonder if you're making things even worse. Well, what if you could use the inevitable conflict between your kiddos and actually strengthen their relationship? We want you to know it is possible. Connected Families has a self-paced five-session online course that's called Sibling Conflict. Follow the link in our show notes to register and help move your kids from bickering
1: So we've been talking about this video game issue that so many parents call us about and want help. And the classic question is, is how do I get my kid to stop? And we've introduced this idea that as parents, if, if our effort is going to be effective long-term, it helps to be more thoughtful about a bigger context, not just the video games, but the context of our relationship. Something we didn't mention before the break, but I think we'll start to unpack right now is, is that we want to make sure when we address these hard issues with our kids that they're getting the messages from us about who we believe they are that are consistent with what we'd want them to get. Right. So often the way we engage our kids with hard things communicates to them, you know, you're a pain, you're a problem, you don't listen, you're a failure, you can't do anything right, you are headed nowhere. We don't mean for our kids to hear those things from us, but that's kind of the messages they receive from us as we put our best efforts behind the good intentions of helping our kids. Right. So as it relates to video games, you know, I'm this dad that called Chad before the thing and I want this to stop right now. Chad, what's the sense that you get from me and from other parents like me in that role play that are real parents? What's your sense about the messages, their good intentions of helping their kids off of video games give to those kids? I think there's kind of the you're out of control an inconvenience,
2: maybe. Child, you're an inconvenience. Why do we have to keep talking about this all the time? You're an irritant to me. You know, you are hopeless in terms of having a few... You know, I think those messages that our kids get from us in those situations really just send the you know just full of disconnection. You're an embarrassment. It could be another one. Like I didn't raise a child to to do this. We're a yeah. family of hard workers and we're disciplined, and you're embarrassing me right now. So
1: yeah, I, I think those are. You're out of control. Would be probably one of the the number one. Yeah. I was teaching this framework already when our oldest son was in ninth grade and he had a video game problem. And we put locks on the doors and we put filters on the thing and we took privileges away. And I believe in retrospect, we were communicating the very kinds of messages by those efforts that you're talking about, Chad. And I mean, we teach this stuff. We need to be firm and we need to be strong and we need to be graceful. So we were nice about all of these things. But the message our son getting from us is, you know, your life is headed for trouble. Because mm. of this. And yes. one day we came home, he'd been home before us and we'd been out and about and and he was sitting on our living room couch, almost expecting us. And he was flipping his school ID, a little credit card looking thing. He was, <laughs> you know, kind of just flipping it. And he was looking at us with this look that was like, you want to know what this is about?
0: Mm-hmm. Of course,
1: we looked at him and what's going on? And he said, you can't stop me from playing video games, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What mm-hmm. are you talking about?" he said, "My school ID pretty good at breaking into the office." <laughs> and I've been playing video games for 2 hours. And he told us, and it's always interesting to me that he told us yeah, this. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but but I think he told us because our approaches thus far had been, you know, graceful, but they were still communicating, we, we thought, but we we're still communicating all of these unintended messages to him about his inability, his incapacity, trajectory was not a good trajectory and this yeah. is a bad thing. And it occurred to me, in that moment that he trusted us enough to tell us that for a reason. So I don't remember all the specifics, but we had, a, you know, we sat down and we had a conversation, you know, what would Burke the best? And, you know, how do you feel about it? And what do you think about it? And what do you think are good huh. ideas about all of this? And he wasn't, he wasn't far enough into all the things that he just said, I just want to play the computer whenever I want to play it. And I don't want you to ask me any questions about it, which right. some parents report their kids tell them. But I realized that, like I said, at the outset, I wasn't very good at video games. And by the time they got sophisticated, I kind of was on to other addictions <laughs> in my life, go. <laughs> golf, fishing, mm-hmm. lawn care, you name the different things that hook us. I thought, you know Daniel, I'd appreciate knowing more about the games you're playing. Would you teach me to play one of them? He's like, what? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, just show me. And so he brought me in and he showed me, I think the game was Warcraft, World of Warcraft. Was that mm-hmm. the thing back then? Sure. And it was one of these deals where you're, you're, you know, you're strategic and you see different layers and there's people all over and you're communicating with whoever else is playing and you're trying to make plans against the enemy. I mean, at first I was like, oh my gosh, this is too much. And then, but then I realized what was happening. And I looked, I was like, man, you're really good at this game, aren't you? Uh Yeah. You're very strategic. And the way that you communicate with the people in the game has got just a very strong and graceful and authoritative sort of a tone. And you've developed kind of a following. I can see why you love this. Yes, he shut the game off after an hour or so. And well, he gave me the controllers and I was a mess, because like mm-hmm. I said, I do things backwards, but mm-hmm. we laughed and I laughed. and But that meant so much to him that I would come alongside him that way The the conversation about what to do about all this and the pros and the cons, there are pros to this, that we could spend some time thinking and talking about, you know, we did that as a family. So, you know, I sort of did all of that intuitively, Chad, but when you guide parents through this process... You really kind of lay out some questions to help parents think through, what do I do when my kids are struggling with, it's not just video games, but video games? You know, the typical first question is, what should I do?
2: And it's a great question. It's really important to answer, but we tend to back parents up to a couple other questions that will come before the, what should I do question. And and I will say that when I lay out for parents in a, even a 15 minute phone consultation or whatever, I I just try to help make sure that parents know that if you're looking for a trick or a quick snap your fingers and this is going to be over, I probably am not your guy. I can help you manipulate your child, I suppose, for a little bit, but it won't create relationship. And it's actually not going to build wisdom in that child. But if you hang in there for a little bit and start working at the first question of what's going on with me, like, what is it about you as a parent where this video game stuff drives you crazy? What do you believe about you? What do you believe Mm -hmm. about your
1: child in this situation? And I'm imagining, so I'll go back to me in that situation with my son. I mean, In some shape or fashion, I was going back to my early obsession with all of this. And my parents didn't temper me. We didn't relate to me in ways that compelled me to do things. So I stayed underground and I stayed hidden. And I went on a trajectory that was not helpful for me for a season of my life. So as a parent, I can't help but divorce myself from my past. And if I'm honest, I think I have to say, I was afraid that Daniel is an awful lot like me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that he could take this into, you know, he could get into the same kind of trouble, only worse than I got in as a youngster, because I ended up not being very good at these things. He's really good at them. So I'm even more scared. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've got a lot of fear. Yeah. Fear and anxiety in
2: parenting typically moves us into a place of more controlling uh, responses to our kids that we're, we're anxious about or we're fearful of the choices that they might mm-hmm. be making. And control is not a great place to come from. It does not create relationship, it actually pushes it away.
1: So as it relates to video games... What are some controlling consistently controlling things that you've seen put in place that instead of building bridge to relationship actually put up bricks?
2: It tends to be a lot of telling and yelling or finally just, I've had enough and this is the way it's going to be. There's generally not a lot of conversation trying to really move into what the next question then would be for, you know, in the framework that we're talking about, what's going on inside of me? The next question and is a curious one about what's it like to be my child? What is it about video games that he or she Thoroughly enjoys. And what is the child receiving from that? They're getting something from this. And it doesn't mean that we excuse addictive behaviors or things like that. That's not what I'm saying, but we are at least looking through the lens of I wonder what's going on here. What does Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. get from this? What's the big input that uh, the big win here for
1: him or her that uh, allows them to keep moving in this direction? And then if I'm able to do some of that thinking, what's the benefit of that to me? How does that? Help. I think it brings a level of at least some level of compassion or empathy.
2: It's like I don't have to agree with you to understand you. So there might be a lot of things going on, and this child is locked in. That screen is like a a vacation of sorts from all the other things that are going mm-hmm. on. Okay, so if that's what's actually happening, is that's a place where my child's brain actually comes to a peaceful place. I go, wow, peace is pretty important to me. That's interesting (laughs) that he's finding it there. Yeah, Uh, And I wonder, you know, then then we can start wondering about where are we going to go or what we're going to do. But I think compassion, empathy, also joining the child's like, oh, wow, what do you like about that anyway? You know, just a a curiosity tone of trying to understand what's going on with the child here is super important. It's also very respectful to the child as well. Although I will say this is if you ask that question to the child and you've been just going after them about video games and how bad or wrong they are, they will likely not receive it in a, even if you say it really, really curiously because their defenses yeah. will be up.
1: Yeah, I know one of the things, again, just reflecting on my own story, but then with a number of other parents I've helped through this over the years, it's like when we can get to this answer to the question, well, what is it like to be my child and do some empathizing and some compassion, You know, then we can join the conversation in a much more relatable sort of a way with our kids. And when I understand a need that my child has or a desire or a passion, it's likely a need or a desire or a passion that I've had, maybe not over video games. And maybe it is over video games. For me, it was like, you know what, Daniel, I get what you're going through. I remember when I was your age and even these days, you know, with my smartphone or with whatever I, well, I didn't have a smartphone yet when we were going through this with Daniel Uh right on the cusp. But, but, you know, even then just having constant access to technology, I understand sort of the pull of that I understand how how important you can feel or how good it feels to succeed. You know, most of the parents
2: listening to this podcast are have the technology in their hands too. And so there's an yeah there's an authenticity that needs to come through as well. And I think this is a good place to insert the our own struggle or our own at least the allure of just flipping constantly through Instagram or whatever it is, how we can get stuck. You were even talking about, you know, fishing or, you know, your yard or how that can become consuming. Our kids see and notice things. So we gain, I think, a lot of credibility when we can join in on, hey, we all struggle uh, rather than you need to knock this off.
1: Yeah. So this is all good stuff. And it's really, it's back to sort of the heart of the relationship as it relates to the video games, figuring out a way to stay connected in it. Because as soon as our lectures come at our kids, we tend to disconnect from them. Even even if we don't feel it, that's what it tends to feel like to the kids. They tend to want to go underground. They tend to want to hide. They tend to want to keep their stuff a secret. But if we're moving toward them in connected relationship, authentic, honest, humble, confessing even the ways we've struggled. I heard a mom the other day say, how can I tell my kid to get off the screen? She was only on 10 hours today. I was on for 12. Yeah, know?
2: It, you know, and there are different roles goals too. I get it. I mean, most people are on screens at least during the day for work purposes or presumably there's something else going on that seems like it's a necessary function. But yeah, I think that being real with our own stuff yeah. is
1: is important. So then quick in the time that we've got left, it's time to set some boundaries. It's you know, So we've done the work. The relationship is there. Our child continues to struggle. We're with them. We're for them. We've joined them. Mm-hmm. We, we're compassionate. We've empathized. I always worry that parents, hear us take a lot of time talking about this relationship stuff and then they're like, well yeah, but isn't that awful soft? Like, mm-hmm. when is it time to to do some things and to set some boundaries? And yep. what are some things you've heard parents put in place that help their kids Learn accountability here. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, so having the conversation is important. Move into really asking the question: What can I affirm, and then what skills does my child need to need to have that apparently they don't have? And that might be time management here. It might be you know just uh, some self-control about not going on endlessly, taking care of responsibilities that uh, that they have before they move into video games, things like that. And so you know, with that, I'm asking them some questions. I might say, How much time do you think is uh, is reasonable? for a kid your age to be able to, to be on screens. Inevitably, you're going to get a, an answer of, well, all my friends and all the stuff and all my, you know, their parents, they don't even care. And <laughs> right. okay, that's all going to come. And I just tell parents, expect it. And then when that happens, say, okay, yeah, yeah, I hear that. Now, my question to you was, how much time do you think is reasonable for you to be on screens? And what do you know about screens and how they impact you? And this could be a conversation. Most most kids, if they're really <laughs> you know, they don't want to have this conversation. I'm not expecting that they're going to to just jump in, right, and go, "Oh, wow, that's a great question." Here's what I've done. I've Thank done you some for many- asking, Dad. <laughs> the brain research suggests this and all the other stuff, right? But I am putting it out there, and I you just just really want to invite them into the conversation about it. they already likely will be pretty defensive about that. Then you can move into, well, here's what I've been noticing, and I don't know if you've been noticing it, but I I've been noticing that you know when you're on screens beyond maybe two hours. It feels like a different kid comes out of that room. And I'm a little worried about that. And I guess I'm wondering, you know, if you notice that, Okay. maybe they will, maybe they won't. But at that point, as, as a parent, I can start inviting some feedback, but also looking at setting some boundaries. I'm not trying to pull the, the plug out here. I'm not trying to say it's all or nothing. But at this point, I'm worried about it enough. And the fact that you won't have this conversation with me, okay, even causes me to get a little bit more concerned about this. And I think we're going to need to set some limits, but I'd really like to get your input on what the limits are. And if you don't want to give me input, that's okay. I'll just let you know kind of what I'm thinking, but I would really value your input here. Cause I love the fact that you're hanging out with your buddies and you're doing the stuff and you're playing the game and you're developing these skills and all the, all those things. But I also love the fact that we do some things as a family and you take care of your responsibilities before you have the privilege of playing video games. So let's have that conversation.
1: Yeah. yeah and I know, I'm sure there's parents out there, thinking well It's so hard because the line between homework and video games or other just non-constructive technology use—it's such a thin line. It's Mm -hmm. hard to distinguish it. Well, I gotta be on the computer to do my homework. Well, okay. And so I I know that parents—and for me, it was hard because I didn't know as much about the technology as my kids did. Uh, You know, I was fairly savvy and understood things, and we put you know filters on and, and some of the things that are recommended. But we didn't let the filter do the work. We We wanted our kids' hearts to be the filter. And so we kept having the relationship and the conversations and kept walking through this rather than here, let's just do this set of things that's going to control your behavior. So whatever the boundaries are, you set them. I like setting them for a limited time. Here are the boundaries for the week let's go Sunday to
2: Sunday. And Sunday night, we can reevaluate, we can renegotiate because what ends up happening is if you don't go week to week or three or yeah. four days or whatever, it's up for negotiation every single day. And the yep. biggest, most important thing is happening right now. And I have to be on and everybody's on, you know, and my standard response to that would be something along the lines of, it sounds like you've got something to talk about on Sunday night. What did we agree to for this week? And we're going to talk about it mm-hmm. again and I value your input. I really want to hear what what do you have to say about
1: that? Well, and there's also in there at some level, some freedom to fail. And if you're in the kind of relationship you want to be in with your kids, you can say, you know what? We're going to do some limits this week based on what input you gave, based on the things that I said. We're going to shut the electricity off to that room that's tied to that computer <laughs> at 10 o'clock. Right. <laughs> uh, or, you know, we're, we're just going to trust that you're going to shut it down and have your head on the pillow by 10 o'clock. Or you've agreed that you're going to have all your chores done before you get on the computer tell me how likely it is that next week you're going to tell me you've done all of these things well. Mm-hmm. I think I can do it. Okay, good. Let's talk in a week. A week happens, child says, eh, and you notice child didn't do so well, but you don't have to just check up on it and nag on it and you can just let the week go and say, yeah, now we're now we're going to talk about it. How did it go for you? What would you say was your average game usage this week? Yeah. Well, it was, I think it was right on and mm-hmm. the parents like, are you kidding? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my observation was a little different. Of that, because on such and such a day, and on such and such a day, and did you get your homework? Did you get all the things done? How are your grades this week? Did you feel good about your schoolwork? Did you feel good about your, you know, looks like you got all your chores done. So, high five. It shows you, however much you were using the game, the chores were still important and you did them. So, that's great. Yeah,
2: you're working at managing, you're figuring out yep. how to manage different aspects of your life. Yeah, which I think is really what we're after here. Yep, is, yep that's it. Is some management opportunity. Well, it's
1: what we're really after. And we need to wrap here, but you know, this conversation conversation we hope has provided you some ideas, some thoughts, you may have questions, feel free please to reach out to us and ask your questions. It's our hope that these ideas are helping you build the kind of relationship with your kids that you want because when that relationship is in place, the kind of influence that parents want to have is generally more there than if not. But if the relationship isn't there, It's a lot harder when we see the things that scare us, when we see the things that worry us, when we see the things that we just know our kids need to do better at, and we try to engage in those things, our kids are more likely, because they're at the age of needing to figure out who they are for themselves, to push us away. So conduct the kind of relationships you want to have with your kids. They'll keep you near. You'll gain the influence you're looking for. And to the degree that we at Connected Families can help you, let us know. Chad, thanks a lot for your time today. Oh, man, it was a privilege. Thanks, Jim.
0: hope you enjoyed our podcast today. We would love to hear from you. Leave a comment and let us know what you found useful or a question that we could address in a future podcast. Don't forget to rate and review so that others can find us more easily. Next time, Jim and Chad will be back for the third episode of our three-part series for dads discussing kids and pornography. For more information about Connected Families, go to connectedfamilies.org.